You're listening to Black Humboldt's new podcast, Black Aesthetic. And we're celebrating our love for Black arts and culture within Humboldt County. What up? This Queen D rocking this body from East Coast to Humboldt. Woo! Hey, this is Dewar, healing souls on the streets. K.M. Ross, popping shots, killing things, and making stuff. Hey, hey, it's your girl, Mo. Mom, artist extraordinaire. Baby, baby. Black aesthetic was used to describe works of art, literature, poetry, music, and theater that centralize Black life and culture. In acknowledging the historical usage of the term and understanding Blackness to be iterative, something that is evolving, abundant, and prolific, we can begin to understand that the creativity of Black people contributes always to a Black aesthetic. Candace Frederick, New York Public Library. This week, I'm featuring my co-hosts to introduce who we are and how we exist in Humboldt County. Mo, tell me about what you do as an artist in Humboldt. I um, am a visual artist as well as an arts educator, and I work at our local access station, Create in Media, and program in our local access channels. Nice. Do you do any um, programming outside of work? Um, I would say that my art creation outside of work is more performative, dancing, spoken word. Um, I don't know. Hip-hop theater is what I like to call it. And Delar, tell us about your art. You have a special art. Well, I am working on being a full-time cobbler, and so... Repairing and fixing shoes, resoling and doing all that kind of stuff. I've just started doing soles and heels and things like that. So I've been doing little purses and other things for the past couple years. But it's every every job is different, so it does definitely pull your creative strings. Tell us about the machines you use to make leather and soles and putting, um, creating art in within the soles. Like how, what is that art like? And how do you feel making that art? Like what, where do you, where do you, um, float to? Like, tell us about that. Well, every job is different and all the, all the machine, I just got this machine. It's a, it's a finisher that I, um, We'll be doing all of the soles and heels and things like that on. But in, just in terms of working with leather, there's just, um, well, you, you know, you, you, you create things with leather, right? Leather's uh, like di- different types of leathers will take different care, basically. We would take different care of them and you need special machine. Like my big stitcher machines are bigger than your standard sewing machine that you buy. Like you buy to just do like make, make a, like your clothes at home or make pillows or something like that. Just because the pounds of pressure needed to go through the leather um, are, it's, it's a heavier machine. It's a heavier thread. It's a heavier, um, the whole stitching machine for the leather products is a different thing. And then you have special machines, not only just for leather, but you have different machines that are specifically to stitch shoes. And then there's specifically 
uh, two stitch soles onto shoes. And so there's different ones. You don't, you know, you're, um, I don't really, I'm not making shoes I, at this time. I'm just like repairing and keeping what you have going so we can create less trash in our landfills for the earth. So, you know, if you buy something good, we can continue to work on it. Even if you make, if you tear a hole in something and you need a patch or something like that, um, the different machines that I have will stitch through your leather and put a leather patch on, on things. Uh, yeah. But like I said, each job is different. Kevin, tell us about your art. Gosh, everything's art. Uh, I mean, I've had a photography business for, shit, this is my third year. <laughs> so, and that's evolved a lot. You know, I started off shooting real estate and then kind of started getting into more of the commercial side with like products and uh, portraits and done a, f done a few events, but I mainly going back in more commercial stuff with product photography um, and I mean professionally you know I'm a I do production and video production and directing and marketing so I mean my expertise is marketing is digital marketing and um, web distribution and so basically I've kind of rounded out my skill set with with art basically a more formal training in art. Um, I've done, I've been, done everything, you know, I've done painting, I've done pencil, pen, ink, you know, that's all. I've just jumped around from different mediums. And at this point, you know, it's just like photo and video and film and stories are, it's like that's where my passion lies. I have skills in other areas, but it, I'm not passionate about it. I'm more passionate in storytelling and uh, making making films. And so, yeah, most of what I'm diving into is is the filmmaking side, doing like documentary. Like my style is documentary filmmaking. So I do like interviews and. Um, you know, just finding out about different subjects that otherwise you wouldn't know about is super is super amazing because everything can go, you know, 10 miles deep. Um, if you let the right person, you know, you go to the right person's pond, right? Just like when we talked to Del R about shoes, you know, just learn like 10 things I didn't know about shoes. Like, oh, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't throw my shoes away. I should just get them fixed. Makes way more sense. Do you consider your art as your activism? Uh, I, I definitely consider, I consider there, there's a portion of my art that is activism just because it's like, you know, there's a portion that's my livelihood. So there's not always room for activism in that regard, but with like, I have personal art that I do consider my activism. I do consider it being like, um, an expression of activism. I mean, fuck, I drew, I just painted a, a police station on fire like two weeks ago. Um, so yeah, you know, my other painting is like 9-11 and the plane crashing in the building. Like those are like two of the things that I really 
express my activist activism in my art. Yeah, I'll say that um, one of the first skills I learned after, you know, just being a kid and like coloring and creating things uh, was to use art as a tool for activism. And like Kevin said, storytelling plays such a big role in creating art that it, um, that almost, you know, telling your story as a oppressed identity is like a form of activism, right? My mere existence is activism. <laughs> right. Right. I um I think that well, it depends on what people consider activism, right? So with with um what I do in repairing shoes and I feel like I'm passionate about people and so and I'm also passionate about the earth, right? Um so one of my goals in in you know pursuing this, you know, being a cobbler is to actually lessen the 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 waste that we have as people, like we we go through so much garbage that ends up in our landfills that I feel like if we just learn to, you know, we're we're all about uh, fast fashion and we're all about things that oh I can I can buy this and I can throw it away and buy something else because it's so cheap, but if we change the perspective or like if we change the way we buy things and in just in terms of thinking about where it came from and who it's affecting and how it affects the earth when we're consuming things um if we if we're buying products that are better quality that can that are made to be repaired we're we're saving the earth by you know we're saving a, another generation from having to from the waste that we we create just by trying to keep up with with what's fashionable or what's the newest thing. So that's like, I'm, I'm very, and then it goes into, that's the aspect of the earth, right? That I like, that I'm passionate about in, in terms of fixing things and repairing rather than getting something new, throw it out and get something new. Um, uh, I also am very passionate about just just helping people and I don't you know everything you do you can help someone I feel like you can help someone every day so even if it's your job even if it's your like your livelihood what you're doing um, people are appreciative of things that you can oh I didn't have to throw that away I could I could just fix it and now I, I that's gonna save me money is gonna save the earth and so I am passionate about doing both of those things helping people and the earth and I feel that I feel that repairing things and repairing shoes is is a big part of that that aspect of, of my activism yeah i totally empathize when you talk about using the things that exist it's like everyone wants to find the new thing the new black instead of how do we look at ourselves and see the art in ourselves and the things that we already carry whether they're tangible or intangible and take those things and make those things anew. Yeah, I totally dig that. And, you know, that's why I'm kind of, like, in this place where I'm, like, I don't believe in art for the sake of art. You know, there are artists out here who think, and, and that's cool, more power to them, especially if they're making money as an artist, art for the sake of art. But I, I, I guess as a, a, a black body, a black artist coming from disenfranchised areas of New York, um, 
you know, and even thinking I was moving to some special place when my mom moved us to Delaware, you know, it's, how can I not create art to reflect my life, to reflect my circumstances, to reflect the things that need to change? Um, so art is political. Art is, um, is life, you know? And if you think about it, how much art do we know or did we consume as children that wasn't some type of statement, right? That wasn't telling us about a group of people or a storyline of oppression or, you know, it's like you think about jazz music, although you might not think about it on the forefront, but it's like that music came out of an oppressed people, right? And like how it moves on from there. Yeah, and I think about even the art of cooking. My goodness, have our people cooked some cooked meals? <laughs> I mean, we have the like the best chefs, the best. I mean, down to the sous chef, the prep, the the shopper. You know, you got to find the finest things, and I think there is an art even in in um cuisine for for um just the entire African diaspora. So, um, seasoning yeah. is an art. Oh, yeah, right. Is an art. Or oh, the fact that art. you could be given the scraps of a household and make it into something beautiful. It's not just salt and pepper, y'all. <laughs> it's sazon too. It's sazon too. Um, the one thing to say though is that um, there's not. I don't think there's really anything that isn't art. I really don't. Um, I mean, growing up, you know, I was like, I was actually pretty good at science and math and stuff. And like, but I always had this urge to draw. And, you know, as just as going through this, you know, finding photography, right? That's, that's art and it's science. It's catching light and reflections. And like, it's, it's actually really scientific, especially like uh, some of the low light stuff, you know, when you're doing yeah, dark room. Like, or the dark room. I mean, yeah, the chemicals and stuff like that. I mean, I'm digital, so I don't deal with that kind of stuff. But, um, I mean, for me, photography was kind of that, that marriage of art and science. But really, as you think, when you think about it, everything in science is art. You know, like, art is what? Like, finding creative solutions. And yeah, that's, how things get, that's how things get discovered. Like... So it's like art and science are really like, I, I don't even see them as that different because I mean, I'm using the same tools in science to like try and solve problems that I do in art when I'm trying to make decisions. Like, I don't think, yeah, I'm just one of those that like, I advocate for like people to not separate the two because the skill set's really the same, almost like pretty identical. I definitely agree with that. That, And I think that anything that we do can be our art form. And I was just going to say, especially with cooking, because, you know, I wish that they would have taught chemistry in terms of cooking. And I would have understood it so much better. And it wasn't until I got into more cooking, like, as, like, I'm like, oh, this is all science. Like, because these are all reactions. And this is, so, it just in terms of, that throwing anything that we do can be our art 
And in terms of science, for me, I was thinking about my my earlier in my career when I was a lighting designer. Um, I man, I really had to draw so hard um, back on my time in in science classes and um, physics, understanding the throw of light, understanding the pool of light, um, understanding the temperature. Um, and there's so, there's so much, um, science and lighting design. And when we go see a show, whether it's dance or theater or music, you have no idea how much work the lighting designer is putting in and lighting the stage with us, even if it's just one splash of color and understanding color mixtures, it, it's using so much, um, scientific, um, um, knowledge to draw on for, for um, designing lights, or even when you're creating a, a, a blueprint and a plot, like a lighting design plot, and whether you're doing it in vector works or you're doing it old school drafting style on a drafting table, um, there's still a, a science and a math to that work. Um, so if we could just teach um these core subjects through 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 art that way it would I feel like if I had learned it vice versa like learn lighting design either with science or science maybe science yeah I don't know I still think about that how I was just so shocked in that time of learning to become a lighting designer how much of my core subjects were in it and yet we're removing funding from the arts when it actually was helpful for me to understand lighting design, to make sure that I draw upon my science and math knowledge. So yeah, that's why I don't believe in art for the sake of art. And I didn't even go into electrics, what electrics uh, involve for a lighting designer. So what's going on in Humboldt, y'all? We're all transplants, none of us are from Humboldt. Um, Delar has been here the longest, but what is, what is your art, how is your art taking shape here in Humboldt, what does it mean for you to be an artist here in Humboldt? Not just your entire life, but how is it? How is Humboldt affecting you, or how, how are how is your art affecting Humboldt? Always been passionate about people. That's one. That's one, and and the earth. So, you know, coming up here to Humboldt, I just ended up my job where where I ended up gave me this opportunity to to fill a need and. I was willing to take that opportunity and I really grew with it and um, am very interested in the, the aspect of repair and then just tying it into what I was already passionate about, you know, the earth and people, which I feel like being here has shown, like I would, if I was still, I'm from, I'm from the Los Angeles area. I'm from LA. And so if I was still in LA, I would have a cobbler. No one ever is. No, I've never, I didn't even know cobblers existed in LA. Like, um, so being, being here and being exposed to different things, just being able to, um, Oh, that's what that, Oh, there's a cobbler in that shoe store. Like, so being here has kind of opened my eyes to that aspect of what it's what I do now and so that's kind of how being here in Humboldt has led me to 
doing the repair work that I do now and just being able, having the opportunity, working somewhere where I had that opportunity and being very interested in then pursuing that and saying, oh yeah, I can do this. And it, it worked out um, where the people that I'm working with and working for are like, oh yeah, you're inter interested in this, let's go for it. And we have somebody that can teach you. And I'm like, great. I want to know more. What what else can you teach me? So I would I don't think I would have had an opportunity um, the same the same way. I would have ended up with a different. I would have ended up with my art being shown differently had I not been in humble. Um, I I'm like the opposite. So I you I used to live where I grew up in like all this youth programming. I, I was I belonged to a dance studio. I belonged to like a hip hop collective, you know, all these uh, resources and these communities that I would create with. Right. Or not even just create to produce something. Right. Like I was just actively creating art all the time. Um, and then I got my first teaching gig and I was teaching darkroom photography and AV tech um, to middle school and high schoolers. And it was like, it reminded me of being in college and taking art courses and like, you, you have to create because you, it's your homework. Right. And so then I was a teacher and I would be doing the projects that I would be giving to my students. And especially when I was teaching dark room photography, it was like all my office hours are just me in a dark room willing to help people. So I used to just have projects going all the time. Um, and like, that's my preferred method of visual arts. Although I do graphic design and like digital design, like really, I, I love, um, you know, film and darkroom photography. So I was creating all the time. I was like making my youth sign up for film festivals and like going to film festivals, going to conferences around performing. Um, I was still in my hip hop theater troupe and we were touring like, just so many, because I belong to so many different sections of people creating, it was like easy to get paid doing it to support you creating endlessly, right? And then also finding avenues that allowed me time to create. And then I moved to Humble and um, had the same expectations of like being an art teacher in the same capacity for a much smaller community, which wasn't available. And then um, even just the availability of a basic arts educator was limited and I was working like super short hours, you know, having to find other resources for jobs, which just takes away the time of creating. And then, and then it quickly became not to say that I'm like jaded on my, <laughs> my creating in Humboldt, but a lot of it hasn't been my ideas. Like a lot of the work a lot of the work I was able to get included creation, but it was like creating for other people or, you know, doing branding for a small company or something along those lines, which in the right circumstance, it can be fulfilling in the same way. But, and then I became a mother too, right? And my, my kid got older and demands more of my time. And I find myself having less time to create for me. And now during like, uh, sheltering in place in this COVID, I'm like finding this time where I'm like, oh, whoa, like, am I going to 
like think up some projects to start creating again? Like, am I going to create this pocket of time to be creating for myself since there is no pull like back home? I find myself being hit up left and right being like, Hey, do you want to do this? You want to do this? Come through for this. And it's like, yeah, okay. And like here in Humboldt, it's like, I have to kind of think of my own, my own opportunities to create, which become fewer and fewer, right. As I'm being pulled in like different directions. I would say definitely Humboldt has affected me as an artist. This, this place of nature, this godly, beautiful, bigger than life, bigger than me. This place is just so beautiful and it affects my art and it allows me to be humble and to ground myself in my work as an artist. And it challenges me to pull out more stories than the stories from where I'm from, to really look at the body, to really look at a people, but also challenges me in a way where how can I still be and exist in a place where I am a part of a 2% black population where my audience is white, where everything around me is white, is colonialized. Um, I will say like the most precious time that I've had here as an artist is when I was um, on a residency on WIAT tribal lands and working with the WIAT tribe. And it was the most precious time for me. It was humbling. It was honoring um, it was my first time ever working with an indigenous tribe. Even though I know I have indigenous um, blood somewhere in my line, um, I never gotten that close to an indigenous tribe. And I just, this place affects me in, in, a, in a way where this silence, it's not just a bunch of noise that I'm trying to fine tune. And I can be silent here and I can observe my growth or, or how my art form is changing. And I think this place is also stuck in a time. It, sometimes it feels dated where the art just seems the same. Like no matter what, um, show I go see it just the, the art is so dated um even if it is a new like new work sometimes it's like okay now we're seeing the same movements the same bodies um and I, I wanna I wanna be able to continue to grow up like you know like a redwood tree and and out so I will say uh, yeah, that's that's just pretty much how Humboldt has shaped my art. Yeah, that's weird. It's weird to uh, even think about how Humboldt shaped my art. Like, I don't know. I think when I moved here, I didn't even really know art was like a thing that people talked about, you know? Like, um, I don't know anything. I didn't know anything without it. It was just a normal thing, you know, like everybody drew, everybody painted, everybody did shit. And it's like, it didn't matter. You were doing shit, whether you had to try to get money off of it or not, you know? Um, so, I mean, it was more of a tool, I guess, when I moved up here for me. And 
you know, I guess that hasn't changed much, but I think my relationship with artists definitely changed and it became relevant. Um, I think mainly once I had my child, like once I had my daughter, I kind of gave everything to her for a long time. And, you know, at this point, it's kind of like, um, you know, they say like adversity breeds creativity and stuff. So it's like, I've been to hell and back like twice, you know, um, and now I'm just exploding with creativity. Like now it's to the point where like, I can just run off a bunch of stuff for commission or for other people. And, and once it's off my desk, I don't, I don't care about it. You know, like I can, like, I have a really good relationship, I think with art at this point. Um, because I can, I had like, yeah, once I'm done, somebody else did it. So it's just, I don't, I don't, I can separate myself and I have my, I put everything into it when I do it, but afterwards it's kind of, you know, like whatever people say, I could care less, you know, it's not at the end of the day, even if they, even if it's like somebody is paying me to do it, it's still not, it's still for me. So <laughs> They just want the same shit I want, so that it may, so then it makes sense. But I could, I don't, I just don't care how people feel about anything. I just do. I humbles made me not care. At the end of the day, humbles made me not give a shit about what anybody has to say about anything. <laughs> humbles made me really like, like it's, it's. Uh, I mean, yeah, like like y'all mentioned it before. There's no, there's not a lot of movement, so it's like you don't get a lot of new stuff here. You don't get the the innovations and things like that that you have in places where people pass through a little bit more, and there's more people, or you could travel 20 miles, and there's more diversity over in that way. Like, um, so I mean, yeah, I'm in my house all day, <laughs> and I'm getting inspiration from, from the world because it ain't outside these doors, like. Um, there's nothing, I don't get to see any, like that, I'm just, yeah, I'm not amused by this stuff here. So it's like somebody's got to do it, you know, like back home, I always, there was always better people around. I'm just like, okay, he's like, he, oh, he got that, you know, I'm gonna go over here and do this. And then, but up here, it's like, people don't even like, I can, like, I can sit here and professionally do three categories and I don't even know, like, I don't know where there's competition. So, like, that's that's really, you know, whether that's actually true or not, that's what I No, I noticed that, like, just, just trying to um, plan my wedding. It was, like, there was so, like, I was looking for um, just any service, and there's, like, so few of them, and then the actual, like, quality of the service as well is, like, super low because it's such a small community. And you're either going to need the service enough to hire them or figure something else out. Like not to change the subject, but I see that in other areas here as well, that everyone's no, coming. That's, that's a general vibe for sure. That's a vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Like in other Metro areas, and I'm saying Metro, cause I can't stand when people say urban uh, in other <clears throat> Metro areas. There's so many people that it becomes competition. Out here, it's like a shared experience of being a black artist because there's literally 
five, six, seven, eight of us. Dude, we all do different stuff too. It's crazy. Like that's I just I mean I came I came up here and I just walked in the doors. I said, you know what I mean? I stopped I stopped being apprehensive about white people. I stopped being um scared about what other black people is going to think because I'm dealing with whoever I'm dealing with. Like, I just started yeah. doing my thing and I'm walking indoors and, it, you know, they look at me like I'm crazy when I first get there. They're like, who's this, who's this 12 year old trying to talk about dollars yeah. to me? And then, and then five minutes into it, I rattle, rattle off some shit that I know. And then, and, <laughs> and then it happens, you know, then, then there's that flip. Oh, you speak so well. And like, there's like that kind of stuff that happens. And so like, Shit, man, I get in. I get in where I can get it, and I don't even care. Yeah. And I'm not. I mean, I I'm not saying sorry to anybody for it. Yes, <laughs> I think all of us though can relate to that. Like we got here and marched our way into somewhere because we all come from places. Like D was saying, like there's competition. Um, like I'll use that term loosely. I'm bunny bunny ears my fingers when I say that competition. But we were so used to that competition that we landed here knowing that we had skills and we just walked in to let people know instead of asking people to agree with us, you know? Yeah, and there's just something also surrounded by, like, this, like, uh, fear culture where people are afraid of art because it makes you vulnerable. But like one of you were saying earlier, like growing up in our black communities, you have no choice but to do art. Like that's just a part of who you are. That's a part of your culture, art. And so here it seems like we're like this unicorn as black artists because we vulnerably are out here making art. And it's like, I don't have to be your local Beyonce or Jay-Z because this this is actually just a part of my makeup. You yeah, pick up what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Like like some folks might be like, oh, I'm not a singer. I'm not gonna sing along at this party. Whereas it's like I know damn well I ain't got no vocals, but catch me at the function with my people. I'm gonna be singing. Like that's just what it is. So I want to know um, question. Have you been able to find space and opportunity as a black artist in Humboldt County? Has it been easy for you to find space? Has your presence been welcomed as a black artist? Where are you with that? I'll go first. Um, I will say that I have not found space to create as a black artist in the capacity that I'm used to. Um, I'll also add that I don't feel like it was easy either for me to find myself in the art spaces that I have been in. And that although I've never felt unwelcomed in like a blatant way, a lot of the things I do here as a Black artist, I feel like of diversity effort or, you know, some kind of checkbox for a school district or something along those lines. Whereas make me, you know, and that makes me feel more exalted as an artist rather than empowered and inspired and like, you know, and that's why I kind of brought up earlier that like my, 
I would say I identify as an artist and it's become something completely different in humble. And I think it has a lot to do with, you know, who's around me, who's creating with me, why people want to collaborate with me and then what's available. I can totally relate. <laughs> um, my goodness. Yes, it is. Uh, even just, I mean, I've been, I've been knocking on doors for 10 years, literally, <laughs> you know, it's like, you go, you go to the local clothing company. Hey, I, I design t-shirts, you know, and somehow they find a reason not to call you back. Um, <laughs> like same company year after year after year. It's crazy. Um, I, I'll say I've gotten lucky a few times. I'll say, I mean, the, the most effective thing has just been to have like people vouch for you, like have people refer you or recommend or, or connect you with other people. Uh, cause yeah, they, they tend to, I feel like they tend to like only trust their each other's words instead of just like trusting somebody in front of their face. Uh, and that, and I don't think, uh, I'll also say that like I've gotten referrals where people have no idea of what my skill level is either, you know? And so like, where that's where I'm like, I'm saying like the referral almost matters more than the skill level here. Um, just to get to opportunities. It's <laughs> so yeah. Networking has been the thing that has allowed space to open up. And I think like I've gotten lucky, you know, I've met some, I've met some good people that have, have opened up, quite a few opportunities, but um, I'll say that just being black in general in Humboldt County opportunities aren't coming, uh, knocking at your door, even when you're, you know, like, a, I don't, you get like 3.9 GPAs and stuff like that in your major, and you end up being like a, like an office admin or something, like, it's weird, you know? So, I mean, I think there's also, like, that power thing, too, where it's like, like, you can have this space on these people's terms that's really been kind of, you know, it's never, it's never like, Hey, it's never like my own space, right? It's never somebody giving me my own space to be a black artist. So I'd say like as a black artist outside of myself in the space that I've made for myself. <laughs> um, yeah. It's all, it's always a, it's always a, what, what am I doing for somebody else? That's basic. That's mainly my engagement with art, like, and opportunities and spaces. Like, as a black artist, yeah, every it, it's my house. You know, <laughs> these people don't. They don't. Yeah, I wouldn't trust me with space either if I wasn't me. But I am. So <laughs> it's like, like people just don't give you a shot and there's opportunity to create your own space, but you do have to play ball. You do have to, there is, there is a certain level of exploitation, which I know I, and have like, I know I'm subject to it, you know, and I have to, to a certain extent, I'm dealing with it to, for the longevity, you know, I deal with it for, well, I, while I can, so something better comes along. There's going to be more opportunities, right? Still knocking on doors. I think that's also made me stronger too, is just knowing ain't nobody going to give you anything. 
think that's that's made me find more creative ways to make space. Maybe if somebody gave me a studio or gave me a space or gave me supplies or gave me gave me stuff, I wouldn't have made my own stuff. I wouldn't have created my own space. I wouldn't have maybe I wouldn't have done that, you know, so like it's it's tough to say whether that's the best like there's definitely there's definitely not opportunities. I agree with both of you. Like for real, Kevin. Like no one's gonna give it to you. Like I came out here on a diversity, equity, and inclusion um, scholarship, and I didn't feel any of those things. <laughs> so it's just like this space where you're commodified um, as an artist or as a a person with brown skin, and I. I am still trying to figure out what to do with that. You know, like Kevin said, like, how do you take up space because it's not given to you? The only person that I can say has given me free space. Like when it's time to pay rent is like, don't worry about it. Is Leslie Castellano. She's a councilwoman in Eureka. I forget which uh, ward or district, but she owns synapses and totally welcomes my presence. I've never felt an ounce, a drop of not feeling wanted or being offered space. But our relationship is new. Um, it's, a, it's like a year new. So this feeling of finally being welcomed by a person who sees me, um, that doesn't commodify me uh, or my art, that is just, wow. Um, but I've been here for three years. And so out of the three years and out of being in a space where there's not lots of competition to need space with other artists, why has there only just been this one person? And I'm not hearing from any of you from just you two that spoke that there's been an ample amount of offerings. Um, the, the asking, it requires so much of us to ask and to take up space and to find these innovative ways so if, you know, white folks around here, uh, people with power, even if they're not white, because there are some POCs with power here with space, are not offering space. Hopefully they'll take action now, especially if they're listening to this podcast. Yeah. Oh, I want to I add that maybe you have offered space, but a space that like me as a black artist can be like, oh, I'm safe there and I, wanna, and I want to go create there, right? Oh, oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Um, that's another layer. Like, you're offered space, but are you safe to create there? You know, I do feel safe at Synapsis with Leslie, you know, and um, uh, there, there have been spaces where I've had to go and ask, but I knew that I wouldn't be safe there, but I needed a space. I've been in so many unsafe spaces. <laughs> It's just straight up. I think it's weird. Like when you start going, it's like, I don't even go past Fortuna anymore, but it's like, people will be like, Oh, it's okay. Like if we go to like Redway or Garberville or something, like, Oh, it's all, it's, it'll be cool. And I was like, yo, I'm a black dude at humble. Like I'm not really like, and they, and they, they don't, I've worked with people in the past that didn't understand and like reassured me and then I later, like, reassured me, like, they understood. And then things happen, and then <laughs> and then they're surprised. And it's like, no, I'm like a fortune teller, you know, because I, I, it's a thing, you know. So now it's like I just, 
I think there's not even there. There's really an, a, a lack of awareness of that issue of safety and what constitutes like like our our safety versus like somebody else there. You know, like there's certain streets back home that you don't walk down, and up here it seems like there's basically every dirt road you don't go down that one. Like <laughs> every single dirt road, thousands of them don't go down that. Unless you know and you belong there. So I want to know, last question before we close out. How many artists, how many, how many black artists, and not just talking about dance, voice, and um, music, or visual arts, or in any of its mediums, any art, because we all agree that everything is art. How many black artists do you know in Humboldt County? Include the people here in this chat. Okay. So we already started with four. Yeah. I, um, so I was going to say, I was going to say between the like three arts months that we've done as black humble and um, the few little events that we've had, I feel like we know literally every, every black artist in this County, which is like 12 to 15. <laughs> I was gonna say less please, if you've never performed a Black Humble, please let me know, right? Like, let us know. But I'm like, it wasn't hard, right, to to feel like we know them all. So I'll say 15. All right, Kevin? Yeah, I think probably between... Damn. I mean, I might, I might overall know 25 people. Black artists in Humboldt County. Maybe 25. Black. No, oh, just black? I mean, yeah, maybe. Just black, just black. I mean, they could be something else and black, but black has to be. Maybe take like two of them, but it's some older. It's like maybe take two of them off of us right here. (laughs) No, I said take two off the off the twenty five. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Twenty one, twenty three, somewhere around there. That's a good number. I mean, not in the uh, because I mean, there's there's, but I mean, there's students, you know, like so many students coming up. You mean like people that are like, yeah, it just you brought my ass here. Um, how many black artists? I mean, then that that goes back to our perspective of artists, then, right? So if Good we're saying that, art. if we're if we're saying that everything we everything is art, everything we everything we put ourselves into, especially being black people, is art, especially here, and you know, in in the desert of black people. <laughs> so <laughs> so everything. That every every black person I meet, they could be a potential artists. So I'm gonna say, you know, how many black people in Humboldt do I know? Mm, that's still about that. that's 35. Right. I was like, that's still about uh, mm, how many? 30 or so? I'm gonna say uh, 35. 35 is a good number. I might know 35 black people. Yeah, I was gonna so, say if we're just gonna say everyone's an artist, then how many black people do I know? Which right. I would say probably like. I would say I know 40 black people here. I think 35 mm-hmm. to 40. We could, all right, let's get 35 to 50. We could all know 35 to 50 people. I mean, I'm, all, I'm always going to argue semantics, right? It's like, what, how, do we, how do we define artists, you know? Like, like anybody that doodles 
on a on a post-it notes doing art, right? For so, sure. I mean, it's if, like if they're putting like, their self into it. Yeah. So I just want to thank you so much, team. I always love chatting it up with you. Serious talk, laughing talks. Um, just keep keying around and being our best black authentic selves and teaching each other. You three always teach me every time I'm with you. I learn something new. I get a little bit of wisdom and um, thank you for being a part of the black humble hub, the planning team, the minds who help continue to keep this train going. Thanks, y'all, for listening to The Black Aesthetic. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and tune in every Wednesday. Follow us on all socials at Black Humboldt and check out our website at www.blackhumboldt.com. If you want to send some love and feedback, email us at blackhumboldt at gmail.com. And make sure to use the hashtag Black Humboldt Aesthetic. B-L-A-C-K-H-U-M-B-O-L-D-T-A-E-S-T-H-E-T-I-C on social media. Until next time, continue to walk in your Black excellence.